We're now going to read from Psalm 143, so I'd ask you to open your Bibles to Psalm 143, from verse 1. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness answer me, in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies, and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant. Good morning, church. Uh, it's a real privilege to be here this morning. Uh, yeah, as has already been mentioned, my name's Tim. Um, we're here with my family, Leah, and our two children, Samuel and Ruth. And yeah, I'm, we're back in the state after being uh, completing my vicariate over in the west in, in Perth. And we've just recently accepted a call uh, here in Paco, uh, your sister church just across the road. Uh, so yeah, it's a real privilege to be able to be here this morning uh, to serve you as a church, uh, presenting the gospel according to what we find here in Psalm 143. I'd like to encourage you as we get into this psalm this morning, just to have the have your Bibles open um, as we work through some of the details here. We're not going to go through everything. There's a lot in here. Uh, but yeah, I look forward to digging into this psalm together with you. So please, as I head into this now, allow me to lead us in prayer as we open up God's Word. So let me pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much for this opportunity for us to be together on a Sunday to, to worship you, to uh, come before you as your people, Lord, uh, and to hear from you as you speak to us through your word. Father, as we open up the words and consider your words here from Psalm 143, I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, work on our hearts, that you would shape us, mold us uh, more into the image of your son, Jesus. Father, as we consider, I guess in a lot of ways, uh, suffering in some terms, um, I pray, Lord, particularly for those this morning here who come to church burdened, Lord, whatever it is uh, in their lives that they're coming to a church heavy this morning, Lord, I pray especially for them that you would work in their hearts, Lord, and that you would comfort them. But indeed for all of us, Lord, as we uh, go through the valleys of uh, ups and downs of life, Lord, that Perhaps these words would be an encouragement for us, not just for today, uh, but into our weeks and into the weeks ahead, Lord, as we consider your mighty works and how you, uh, our sovereign Lord, who, who looks after us and cares for us, Lord, and, and even has a purpose for us in the midst of, of struggles, Lord. 
So I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder if you've ever done a bit of cleaning up at home and you've ever come across something that you've thought, I have no idea what that is for. You know, maybe you've done some spring cleaning or you're out in the garage and, and you just find something. You think, I, I even don't know what that is supposed to be used for. Maybe it's your marriage partner who's come up to and is saying, what, why are you even owning this piece of equipment? Get rid of it. Uh, so what do you do? Well, unless you're a hoarder, you know who you are, you throw it out. You're viewing it as a useless tool that doesn't really belong. Well, as we consider trials and hardship, I wonder if you've ever stopped and questioned yourself, questioned God and said, God, what is the point of all this that I'm going through? I think in a similar way then, hardships can feel like a, sim- feel like a, a similar thing for us, like a useless tool that we wish we could just get rid of. But unlike a useless tool, It's not something that we can easily necessarily just do away with and discard as much as you and I might like to. Well, as we turn to our psalm this morning, we're going to be thinking about uh, suffering and, and actually the uses in God's eyes that suffering can be for the Christian. As we consider the book of Psalms in general, Uh, especially the many many psalms written by King David, uh, they are often filled with prayers and pleas and cries to God, especially in desperate times. Uh, In this way, many of these psalms, particularly the Davidic psalms, are absolute treasure troves of prayers that teach us, God's people, how to come to God in prayer and experience His grace afresh and His help in desperate times. Uh, Many themes and truths overlap in many of these psalms. Uh, For example, both the prior psalm to our one today, Psalm 142, and our current psalm, Psalm 143, are really dealing with a very similar issue in that they are dealing with uh, really having a faint or failing spirit. And, and I don't know about you, but there are times in life where you might identify with this feeling, particularly going through rough times. And so both of these psalms, the one before it and the one that we're going to look at today, really do teach us how to pray in desperate times. But the unique emphasis that we want to, I want to be considering today from Psalm 143 is how can you and I make best use of our hardships? How can you and I get the best bang for our buck? I mean, that might sound like a strange thing to say. I mean, who wants to consider their troubles as something that gives a beneficial return, much like a return on investment? But that's exactly what we can learn as we come to this psalm this morning, if we are willing, and how God through servant David shows you and I how hardships can have real purpose particularly in the context of our relationship with God. So far from being a useless tool then, for the Christian, hardship becomes one of the most useful tools in God's toolbox, being incredibly useful for our discipleship and our good, growing us as Christ learners. 
And so this morning, I want to be considering three key purposes from our psalm, three key lessons that really can be benefits for us uh, as we approach hardship together uh, and in your own life, and particularly when we approach hardship with the eyes of faith. And so the first one is this. God uses hardship to refine us whereby our hardship provides us with an opportunity to put sin to death in our life. King David immediately shows us uh, in our psalm exactly how he was feeling when he wrote these words. Straight away in, in verse 1, it says there, Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. Why was David crying out? Well, verse 3 gives us the answer. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. David has an enemy hot on his heels here. What effect did it have on him? Well, verse, keep reading verse 4. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. In verse 7, David pleads with God, crying out, Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I'll be like those who go down to the pit. I mean, David was in a real bind here. We can't be sure the exact situation uh, that David was writing this psalm for. But the narratives of First and Second Samuel gives us Plenty to choose from. There are many situations that David faced that easily could have fit the bill. Or maybe there's some other situation that we don't know about. Whether it was King Saul chasing him relentlessly with murderous intent. Or having the Amalekites, a neighbouring nation at the time, take his family captive. Or even have his own son, Absalom, who was seeking his own life. Thank you. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I read those narratives in Samuel, it's just phenomenal to think of the sheer number of hardships that David faced in his own life. In this day, in this way, David certainly was a man well acquainted with grief. Now, you and I might not face the same urgent hardships that David did. But you and I certainly do face our own enemies. They might just take a different form. Maybe we think of something that's happened in your life. Maybe the shell shock experience of someone passing away. An unwanted medical diagnosis. The heart sinking burden that you're facing your next mortgage or rent payment with no money in the bank. Or the soul-crushing relationship uh, breakdown within the family or a marriage. Depression and anxiety that is running rife in our society today. Let alone the, the dark, evil, spiritual forces that are at work in this world and who are against the church. So I just asked you this morning, I wonder if you have ever faced your own overwhelming enemy. I wonder what enemies you have walked through the front doors of this church uh, facing this morning, fighting. 
whatever the enemy is for you and me, uh, when we experience, when it's, uh, I guess, hardship is severe enough or goes on for long enough, they can produce the same feelings and heart condition that David is experiencing here. That is a faint heart. But what is striking about David's words here is that before he takes aim at his enemies in his prayers, he turns the bow and arrow around and points it at himself and shoots at his own heart. In verse 2, it says, Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. You see, David had the spiritual self-awareness here to understand the true weight of what he was about to pray against his enemy. For he knew that if God was going to step in and deal with whatever struggle or force against him, he would equally have to deal with David himself. Why? Because David understood himself to be a sinner, someone who deserves deserved God's judgment rather than God's mercy and forgiveness. In this way, David shows us the hard but powerful lesson when it comes to making use of our hardships, showing how they provide us with a powerful opportunity if used and approached rightfully to repent of our own sins and to grow ourselves during those times. For the Christian, this is not done because we need to prove ourselves good enough before God before he will accept us. Rather, it's repentance based on the knowledge that God's favour and steadfast love is already for you as his child. I think Hebrews 12 verse 11 says it articulates this so well. It says, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. For the Christian, often hardship can feel like the process of making diamonds with hardship feeling like extreme heat and pressure that bears down on your spirit. But this very same heat and pressure is what creates and can create a magnificent diamond. From the ugly comes beauty as God refines his people through tough times, making us more into the image of his son, Jesus. So I just asked you this morning if you yourself are willing to make use of hardships in this way, being willing to lay your heart before God open, asking him to reveal ways in which you can repent. Next time you find yourself facing your own enemy, will you have the courage to prayerfully ask, God, what are you trying to teach me here? What can I learn from this situation? And so that's one of the purpose that we learn from our psalm today, how God really can use hardships uh, for good for the Christian as he refines us and grows us. The second thing that we can learn from our psalm in how God can really use hardships is how God uses hardships to help us remember. To remember who God is 
and what he's done. How through hardships and reflecting on the word, we can uh, enlarge our own view of God and our faith in Jesus. Uh, The psalm shines through, if you read it uh, from top to bottom as we have, with some amazing attributes of God. Uh, David called out to God for mercy, knowing that God is a God who is merciful. David knew God was uh, full of faithfulness and righteousness, full of steadfast love. And he knew that God was a God who was in the business of delivering his people. In verse 5, it says there, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. David here looked back over his life and back into Israel's history as well, reminding himself of all the powerful ways that God had delivered Israel out of their perils. In this way, David's hardship became a bit like a field test for him to put uh, his beliefs into action, to test whether all the things that he thought he believed about God would actually be true. As his heart failed him, he found the need to and much comfort in dwelling upon who God is and how he has acted in the past. Likewise, hardships for us provide an opportunity to put our own faith into action, to stress test our own faith muscles, testing whether we really believe what we have heard to be true. We might come to church on a Sunday and hear about God through his word. We might read about great great truths of scripture throughout the week. But when hardship comes, if we're honest, we can often find ourselves like David here, having a failing spirit. Yet despite our failings, our psalm is a comfort knowing that our salvation and success is not up to us. But God graciously works through the valleys and troughs that we face along life's journey as he graciously reveals more of his amazing character and his salvation to us. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, I don't know about you, but I find sometimes facing hardship can often feel like uh, like a prototype of a product that is soon uh, to go to market that hasn't yet been perfected. Uh, one of our house, many of our household items uh, that we have in the cupboard, one of them will be most likely WD-40. Uh, this is a household lubricant that apparently, along with duct tape and a coat hanger, fix about anything you have in your own home. But interest, interestingly, WD-40 got its name from the amount of times it actually failed in its prototyping. It wasn't until the 40th attempt that the chemical formula was finally perfected. Uh, In a similar way, despite our many failings and weaknesses and frailties, particularly that come out in times of hardship, uh, the wonderful truth about our God is that he just doesn't discard us like a prototype that's that's just not going to work out. Rather, he keeps working on us and perfecting us day by day more and more into his image of his Son. I I don't know about you, but I find that a real comfort. One way this happens to us, like David, uh, is uh, in faith to prayerfully bring to mind once again who God is in accordance with the Scriptures, to dwell on the past, 
Perhaps you can think in, in your own life, look back in your own life and think of times that God has actually already helped you in the past. I mean, why won't he be a present help again today? All this is God's way of enlarging your faith in him, stretching you as he powerfully reveals himself to you through your situation, helping you to experience greater depths of his character. Ultimately, you and I can look back long ago to 2,000 years ago when Jesus, the greater servant of God, was born into this world, dwelling once again on his chief act of deliverance for his people. When Jesus on that cross died and three days later rose again to deliver us from our greatest enemy, from our sin and God's just wrath against it. On the cross and in his resurrection, God finally resolved that huge tension that we read about in the Old Testament. How can God, on the one hand, show himself to be faithful towards his people, while on the other hand, to be righteous and not just do away with sin, but actually deal with it? How could he show himself to be merciful towards sinners who only deserve God's holy wrath? Well, it's through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus who died on the cross to take away our sins. We're the only true righteous one who didn't deserve God's wrath, chose to receive it and took it upon himself for you and me. Through the ultimate ugliness of the cross came the ultimate beauty of our salvation and to all who believe to the glory of God. Now for all who repent and confess of their sins and in faith turn to Jesus, they receive forgiveness of our sins. Our sins are done away with. Likewise, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, there it shows how God's faithfulness and righteousness come together. Where the Apostle John says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This brings long-lasting, fulfilling hope for a world that only has temporary and fleeting hope, providing a solid rock on which to stand in the midst of hardship. In a world where truth is relative, suffering can seem pointless and hopeless to the 21st century Western world. Without the gospel and a father in heaven who cares for us, we are only kind of left to our own frail selves to lean on for security, strength and hope, and perhaps a few close ones around us. This can easily leave so many feeling uh, struggling to find long-lasting meaning, purpose and hope in their moments of hardships. Uh, in July 1799, Frenchman uh, Pierre, uh, Pierre Francois Bouchard, probably pronounced that wrong, uh, he made an import, important discovery when he discovered the Rosetta Stone. Having a, a decree of King Ptolemy V Epiphanes uh, written on it in three different languages. Uh, here's the stone here. 
Uh, this stone became critical in helping us understand and interpret ancient Egyptian languages, languages that might otherwise remain kind of a bit, bit of an enigma for us. Well, in a similar way, the Bible and its saving message of the gospel is a little bit like this Rosetta Stone, giving hope and purpose in hardship when we might otherwise feel is absolutely uh, pointless and actually just drives us to utter despair. But Christian, we have hope. The gospel gives us hope. Like David in our times of hardship, we are to reflect and meditate on the cross in God's deliverance found in Jesus, knowing that our salvation is secure, whatever may happen to us in this life. And so here is an encouragement for you. Will you dwell on the amazing riches that we have in Jesus, on his gospel, on dwelling on who God is, as that God who is ever faithful, is righteous, is full of mercy and steadfast love towards the lonely sinner as God uses those experiences to enlarge your faith in him and your own view of him as your Father in heaven. Lastly, our psalm teaches us that God uses hardship to reorientate your heart, whereby training your heart to give him all the glory and find your greatest joy in him. Uh, we began to see this in verse 6, where David there, in desperation, he pens, I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. Here in Australia, uh, we're known to be a land of droughts. Much of Australian outback is dry and barren. Millions and millions of square kilometres of ground that is screaming out for just a drop of water. And yet for all the thirst that exists like that in our country, there is an even greater thirst that exists, a spiritual thirst of the heart, a thirst that only God and his good spirit can fill and quench. In our sin and rebellion against God, humanity has turned aside from following God. And as a result, God has hidden his face from us, removed his life-giving presence from our life, from our heart. Being wise in our own hearts, our culture believes that we can live a meaningful and purpose-filled life without God. I mean, why pursue God when I can find happiness in myself? Many genuine believe. But the message of the Bible is that this leads to the ultimate goose chase, forever chasing your forever paradise in the fleeting things of this world. Uh, one of the ways God wakes us up, wakes up the human soul and graciously knocks some spiritual sense into us is through hardships. Countless testimonies abound of many who, in their very moment of desperation, that is when they found God and met their Saviour, Jesus. And like David, for God's church, hardship continues to be a place where we can, in faith, behold the face of God, as God uses hardships to create in us a soul that worships him in spirit and in truth.
reprogramming our soul to live for him and give the glory due to his name. In verse 11, it says there, For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. David shows here that he really gets it. Life's not actually about him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God and his glory. His namesake. Glory that we rob from him when we worship ourselves. Glory that gives the heart the greatest joy when we find it in him, the greatest satisfaction. When it learns once more to find its everything in God. And so does your heart do this this morning? Be reminded this morning, fellow Christian, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. You have been ransomed by the precious blood of Jesus. God has laid a claim on your soul, declaring, Mine. And oh, what blissful joy that is to know. In verse 8, David longs for good news of God's steadfast love to come in the morning. And I don't think it's by accident that our psalm is placed where it is in the Psalms. It's the last of perhaps a downcast psalm in the Psalter. Before the book of Psalms ends with a giant uh, shout out of praise and worship. And indeed for God's people that 2,000 years ago, that blessed morning and great moment of hallelujah truly did come when the sun arose on the empty tomb of Jesus. Now having risen again in Jesus through the Holy Spirit, we can find water that quenches our thirsty souls. Jesus says in John 4, whoever drinks of the water that I will give to him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give, will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so I just asked this morning, has your thirsty heart been filled with Jesus? If you are here today and not yet a believer in your heart, Christ offers his forgiveness for sins to you. And so will you accept that through repentance? That is, confessing yourself to be a lowly sinner, someone in need of his forgiveness. And in faith, seeing Jesus as the only means of salvation. Hope amidst the darkness and suffering in this world. I can't pretend to speak for you in your own situation, but perhaps you are in the midst of hardship and God could be using these very experiences to help you come home to him. If that is you this morning, will you listen to him and receive the gift that he, he promises, the gift of eternal life? And fellow Christian, are you making good use of your hardships? Understanding that hardships is an opportunity for discipleship and worship. Or are you wasting it, viewing it as a useless tool that you just want to discard? I pray that in faith you would use it, make use of it. 
And God will do wondrous things through that as he grows you through that. Allow me to pray for us. Uh, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for these words here in Psalm 143. Father, I want to thank you for this model that you've given us through prayer to come to you in our hardships. It's such a gift to have this psalm and many others as a comfort in, our, in the pits of life. Father, I pray that as your people that you would help us to make good use of our hardships. Father, we confess that this is not something easy to do. And quite frankly, we don't want to do it often. But Father, soften our hearts, I pray. Work in us. Help us to see that even in the darkness and the depths of life, you can bring good from that. And Father, I thank you that on the cross, those 2,000 years ago, that is what you did through the evil and the wickedness of the cross, of, of the terrible of the situation, the only pure person, Jesus Christ, who didn't deserve to die, died in our place, willingly, for us. We thank you that from the ugliness of that, you brought forth beauty. The Father, you uh, open up the way of salvation for the sinner. And Father, we are so thankful for that, that you count us your own as your sheep. Father, I pray for anyone here this morning, again, that is struggling, that is in the, in the depths of hardship. Father, I pray that your spirit would comfort them this day and that through faith that they would be able to hold on to you, knowing that you already hold on to them that you've claimed them as your child and that they might find rest in that this day. And Father, I do pray for anyone here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Saviour. I pray, Father, that you might graciously work in them, help them see their need for you and indeed see that Jesus does offer an amazing offer of, of eternal life, a hope beyond any hope that we can have in this world. And Father, we just worship you for, our, for who you are as our great God. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, our service is about to close. In a moment, we're going to sing, Yet Not I, But Through Christ and Me. Uh, before I do that, I just want to read a, once again turn to the book of Ephesians and close with these encouraging words uh, in here. But before I do that, uh, if you are new, please do stick around after the service. There's, there's tea and coffee uh, afterwards that you're very welcome to stick around. Um, and I'd like to encourage you to perhaps even continue the conversations. Um, maybe even over tea and coffee you can share uh, maybe some of your own experiences where God has used tough times in your own life. Uh, maybe share that as an encouragement to those around you. Uh, and if you do bump into someone else who is finding it difficult, um, yeah, perhaps just... Uh, offer offer your listening ear to them and hear them out in their struggles and maybe even offer to pray for them. So from Ephesians 3, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, 
according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.